Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. So if someone were to ask you, hey, what exactly is Grimace? What would your answer be? I, I don't know what my answer would have been, uh, you know, up until I tell you what Grimace is the, uh, you know, you know, Grimace, he's one of the characters, one of the mascots from McDonald's hangs out with, you know, Mayor McCheese and the Hamburglar and Ronald McDonald, you know, all the McDonald's mascot characters. Well, a manager in Canada, Brian Bates, just one, you know, outstanding manager of the year. And he was doing his interviews and giving his management tips and how life was going, working through the pandemic. And then uh, he was asked what exactly Grimace is. I don't know why they asked him that, but they did. And he was like, well, um, he is uh, clearly a taste bud. And that started everyone going, wait, what? Grimace is a taste bud? Well, yeah, he began as the evil Grimace, a four-armed monster that steals shakes and snacks. And then way back in 1974, he was rebranded as a goofy, good-natured blob. But according to Bates, he's an enormous taste bud. And that goes way back to 2014 when the McDonald's Corporation was asked about what is Grimace, more on Grimace, uh, on a Twitter question. And McDonald's Corporation responded, great question, hashtag Grimace lore, says he is the embodiment of a milkshake or a taste bud. What do you think? So he's either the embodiment of a milkshake or a taste bud. Okay, you got me. You know what? From now on, Grimace is a taste bud. And if someone asks you, you'll be able to answer as well. So, you're welcome. <laughs> hey, welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. Before we get into the day here on Chewing the Fat, I'd like to welcome a new sponsor, UprisingFood.com. Did you know that 95% of Americans live in the fiber gap? I know that's a gap I live in, but I am working to fix that. Fiber is one of the most well-studied nutrients of all time and a bona fide superfood for most people. And until Uprising came along, it was nearly impossible to get enough fiber each day because it's completely impractical to hit 30 grams each day. You know, that's like two full heads of broccoli for most people. I'm not doing that. You may want to, but I'm not eating two full heads of broccoli. However, with UprisingFood.com, yeah, they've made it simple and enjoyable to hit your fiber numbers. I love the uh, superfood chips, the savory rye, and the sea salt are really good too. And the bread is awesome. They've cracked the code on healthy bread. You simply can't find something this healthy that tastes this good and is this fresh. Only two net carbs per serving, six grams of protein, nine grams of fiber. It's as if a biohacker and a high-end farm market baker had a baby. Yes, that's correct. Uprising products would have been born. You know, if that actually happened between a biohacker and a and a farm market baker. 
Anyway, if that would have happened, Uprising products would have been born. No marketing gimmicks. They bake with real superfood ingredients. You'll find things like almonds, MCT oil, apple cider vinegar, egg white, psyllium husk, and olive oil in Uprising bundles. It's bigger, really, than just a product. Uprising's mission is to liberate all of us from a broken food system that's stealing our health. David versus Goliath. And they want to upgrade bread and bring bread back to the table for all of us. It all comes down to taste, though. And healthy foods are littered with broken promises. You know that. Uprising is not. They have absolutely nailed the taste factor on both their sourdough-esque cubes and the crunch factor on their newly launched Freedom Chips which tastes like those old school rye chips you dig for. And that is a fact. I love those things. Finally, a product that doesn't disappoint and is super filling. Go to uprisingfood.com. Use the code Jeffy to get $10 off the starter bundle. It's kind of like a mini trip to the grocery store, minus all the unhealthy distractions. And they ship directly to your door. Uprisingfood.com uprisingfood.com don't forget to use that promo code jeffy get that ten dollars off on your order uprisingfood.com let me tell you how much safer new zealand is now uh they have pulled knives and other sharp objects like scissors from the shelves of grocery stores and you should feel so much safer now that that's happened they made the what they're saying is the temporary decision to remove all knives and scissors from the shelves while they consider whether we should continue to sell them. <laughs> oh, that's great. Because, see, at this supermarket, a crazy person, a Sri Lankan national, uh, went on to attack about a half a dozen people in the store with uh, the sharp objects that were being sold at the store. Now, he's a violent extremist. And uh, it was a terrorist attack on innocent New Zealanders. Yeah, no kidding. But uh, you're going to feel safer now because the sharp objects are off the shelves. We don't, we're not getting rid of the extreme terrorists though. <laughs> that would be, that would be silly. Uh, and sure he was under, uh, you know, they had him under watch at the time. <laughs> uh, so he was being, he was being watched by, New Zealand special services or whatever the hell they call themselves, but he was able to go to the store and stab a bunch of people. So we're going to, we're going to make uh, New Zealanders safer by taking these sharp objects off the shelves at the grocery store. And we, you know, they want you to know, uh, that, uh, what happened was despicable and it was hateful and it was wrong. And it was carried out by an individual, not a faith, not a culture, not an ethnicity, but an individual person who is gripped by ideology and is not supported here by anyone or any community. He alone carries the responsibility for these acts. Let that be where the judgment falls. Sure, don't, uh, don't worry about other violent extremists that are part of New Zealand's terror group. <laughs> I'm calling them a terror group. They certainly wouldn't call them that. 
That is uh, absolutely for sure. I mean, he was uh, inspired by ISIS and he was uh, already under the, um, see, it said here he was inspired by the Islamic State. He had been under constant active surveillance. And we're not going to immediately identify him because we don't want people to know who he was or <laughs> anything like that. That's <laughs> just silly. Just know that we're going to make you feel safer, not by removing terrorists from the country, but by removing, you know, sharp objects from grocery stores that you purchase that you can use, you know, to do legal things with. Maybe we just put them behind, uh, you know, closed doors and have certain people have the right to sell them to you with a special ID. You know what I mean? So maybe we'll be safer that way. Can I have those plastic forks and knives, please, for my cookout? Yeah, no, not without ID. Sorry. So coming to a country near you very soon. A lot of crime and uh, drug stories in the news today. Uh, sad news coming from Lil Uzi Vert. I don't have to tell you who Lil Uzi Vert is, do I? I mean, his Samir Beisel Woods, uh, an American rapper, singer, songwriter, uh, characterized by his facial tattoos and facial piercings and his hairstyles. You, you, you know Lil Uzi Vert from Philadelphia and uh, <laughs> I know you know who Lil Uzi Vert is I'm a fan just like you well he uh, claimed to have been saving up he's 24 years old now he's been saving up for since he was 16 I'm sorry did I say he was 24 no he's 26 now he's been saving up since he was 16 years old to buy this 24 million dollar forehead diamond and he had it put in his forehead and man it looked good you could tell that it was really really beautiful in his forehead as it was pierced in with his 24 million dollar diamond and so he was doing a show and he jumped out into the crowd and while he was in the crowd, someone ripped it out of his forehead. <laughs> and so, uh, he is upset that someone ripped it out of his head, $24 million. But apparently after saying that he had insurance on it and it was this beautiful 10 or 11 carat diamond that was ripped out of his head, this pink diamond. He had insurance on it. It was implanted in his head and someone ripped it out, but apparently he got it back. So he said he feels good. He's got his diamond back. A lot of people speculating that, uh, you know, maybe he didn't really have it ripped out of his head at the show. Maybe he just had it removed. So anyway, you can rest easy that uh, little Uzi Vert has got his diamond that was presumably ripped out of his head at the 18th anniversary of Jay-Z's 4040 Club, where Lil Uzi was performing and jumped into the crowd. <laughs> ah, amazing, amazing times. It, really amazing times. You know, they just busted a guy in Japan. 
for stealing 730 pieces of women's underwear from laundromats. Now, you kind of got to believe, okay, well, at least they were clean. Maybe. Uh, Doesn't say whether he was getting them from the washing machines or the dryers or the baskets of dirty clothes. So not real sure if they were actually clean. I'm just going on wishful thinking. There's a great picture that the police put out of all the underwear (laughs) laid out on this blue mat, all 730 pieces of it, bras and panties. So uh, Tetsuo Yurata, 56, was arrested after police found the huge stash of female underwear in his apartment in uh, southern Japan. The extent of his underwear obsession was laid bare when police released that image showing all 730 pieces (laughs) laid out. They were alerted to the case when a 21-year-old college student spied him allegedly stealing six pairs of her underwear at this laundromat and officers then discovered uh, the stolen hall when they tracked him down and came into his apartment he admitted to pilfering the underwear oh yeah those are mine i've just uh you know i've been taking them so yeah i'm guilty Now, the police went on to say that they hadn't confiscated such a large number of panties in years. Oh, so that's a problem? Well, yeah, a few years ago, they arrested a guy for uh, having 1,100 pairs of underwear. So, I mean, this guy only had 730. The The first guy who he was, I guess, uh, you know, mentoring, I had 1,100 pairs. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. I am in love with the world today. I really am. Let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink. Desperately. Oh, man. Good. Yes, good. So you still have time to uh, pick up uh, the Ramones guitar, if you'd like. Johnny Ramone, they've got his big, uh, he's got his guitar on sale. Really cool, actually, and it'd be really cool to have. Now they're saying there's you have bidding until the 25th of this month, uh, September. Today is the 7th of September, if you're listening live. So you have until the 25th of September 2021 to bid on it. Right now there's 20 bids and it's at 250 thousand dollars the white paint is scratched off and worn away he used it for almost 20 years he used it for every show until he retired in 1996 um really cool and it it would be really kind of cool to have he signed it on the back my main guitar and remember he always played downstrokes he never played upstrokes for the ramones and they were i mean they (laughs) they were punk rock man the ramones were on fire I had a chance to see them once with the plasmatics a hundred years ago with my grandfather and the plasmatics, Wendy O uh, got thrown in jail the night before the concert I was supposed to see him in. And then, so that concert was canceled kind of a drag. Anyway, I would have liked to seen her, you know, go crazy. And I never did. Very sad. But uh, you still have an opportunity to get Johnny's guitar. I also knew a uh, band that used to uh, play with the Ramones from time to time. And uh, the one girl said her favorite story of Joey Ramone 
was that, uh, you know, he, there were times he would come back to the hotel room and just fall down through the door and just on his way down, he would be going, I can't wait until I'm dead and just pass out. If you want to know anything of what their lifestyle was like, you should watch the dirt on Netflix. It is incredible. It's about Motley Crue. Amazing. I watched it this weekend. Really fun ride. It is a big guy show. If you don't want your children to see uh, big guy stuff like <laughs> sex, drugs, and rock and roll, do not let them watch Motley Crue's uh, biopic. I know, it's a biopic. I got it. The biopic uh, of Motley Crue, The Dirt. But if you want to have fun and uh, watch the ride of Motley Crue, definitely watch The Dirt on Netflix. It is well worth it. It's fun. It was a fun ride. And those of you that had Locust for your uh, free streaming service uh, were kind of left out in the cold this past weekend, this Labor Day weekend, because they uh, suspended service. They were an organization that provided free streaming services for broadcasting TV stations through what they considered a loophole in copyright law because they were a nonprofit organization. And there, uh, they would, uh, they would let you get uh, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. And they all jointly sued Locus in 2019. A federal judge this past week just sided with ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox saying, oh yeah, no, uh, your little, your little idea of a nonprofit organization to bypass that doesn't work. We'll see if it comes back up though. But apparently it was designed from the very beginning to operate in accordance with the strict letter of the law. And uh, that's what they were doing. But no, uh, they, according to the federal judge, they can't do that. Apparently they, they had, I don't know, about 3 million people using their system. And they would, if you didn't donate money to the nonprofit they would, every 15 minutes, the internet stream was interrupted by them asking for money, I guess. I, I don't, I never used Locus, so I'm not sure how they interrupted your show, but whatever. I mean, you know, that for free, you don't even have to donate anything and you got, you're watching it for free. Just every 15 minutes you go, you know, you could miss this fifth, you could miss this 15 minute ask for money if you just gave us money. <laughs> so according to the court, uh, their requests for donations were more than the actual and reasonable costs of maintaining and operating the service. Wait, a five asking for five bucks a month was, was too much. Um, no. Okay. Well, I guess there's uh, others you can use. Well, something called news on something called, uh, Voot, V-U-I-T, and Stir, S-T-I-R-R, which offer local news for free in certain areas. However, some of them don't have major network programming. And according to this story, it says, additionally, cord cutters can subscribe to Paramount Plus for $5 a month and is often available for free with promotions. Yeah, all of the streamers are free with promotions. You can get us for free for seven days. And that's only good for once a year. So you can't just keep doing that every three or four months. Okay. Um, you know, so the streaming, the companies, uh, the streaming thing is, 
well, we talked to you. It's going to be the new cable. There's, you're going to have to be able to pick and choose uh, different shows on the apps. And if they need my help, you know, setting it up, I'm happy to, I'm happy to help. Just call me. My gosh, we can, we can get it worked out and we'll figure out something out. Okay. Okay. Good. And Facebook has announced that it disabled its topic recommendation feature. Oh, well, why? It wasn't, it wasn't working or anything. Well, yeah, it was working. <laughs> But it mislabeled, and I'm not laughing at this at all. I'm laughing at Facebook, okay? Uh, It mislabeled black men for primates in a video on the social network. And wait, what? Yeah, it mislabeled, uh, it mistook black men for primates. And so Facebook called it clearly unacceptable error. And they are working to get that software taken care of immediately. We apologize to anyone who have made seen these offensive recommendations. We disabled the entire topic recommendation feature as soon as we realized this was happening so we could investigate the cause and prevent this from happening again. It was the uh it was just a it was an algorithm and we've got to got to fix that algorithm. Now the facial recognition software has been blasted that oh, from time to time that point out, you know, problems with accuracy and civil rights, uh, advocates all have, has a problem, uh, especially with people who aren't white. Well, okay. Well, we're trying the best we can. That's not good enough. Okay. That is not good enough. So when, uh, when humans are among many species in the primate family, um, the video had nothing to do with monkeys, chimpanzees, or gorillas. Oh, okay. Now, the screen capture of the recommendation was shared on Twitter by former Facebook content design manager, manager Darcy Groves. They keep seeing prompt is unacceptable, aiming the message at a former uh, Facebook colleague. So anyway, they've ended that. They've disabled their topic recommendation. So you don't have to worry. It's not there anymore. And really, it's a, well, it's not a non-story, but... It is a non-story because according to Facebook, who doesn't trust them? It's clearly, clearly an unacceptable error and they're working to fix that right now. I better not ever be mistaken for a polar bear or a whale or something like that because I will be horrified and somebody will owe me a whole bunch of money. Man, can that happen, please? Can that happen? So we also had the closing of the Paralympic Games in Japan this past weekend. And uh, congratulations to all the Paralympic athletes. The tournament featured a historic number of publicly uh, outed LGBTQ athletes, with at least 29, according to this story, competing this year. It also uh, marked the Paralympic uh, debut of badminton and taekwondo. So congratulations to all the athletes. I will say I perhaps want an investigation because according to this, China won the competition with 96 gold medals and Great Britain came in second with 41 and 
United States came in third with 37. What the hell is going on? I want an investigation. I want to know if all the athletes from China were actually Paralympic athletes. I want, <laughs> I want an investigation. Okay? That's all I want is an investigation. I was reminded of how unfair that the Olympics could be. Remember uh, Vander Holyfield uh, in his fight at the Olympics when he got uh, ousted because of a technicality? from a referee that was from the same country as the guy he was fighting. So it cost him the gold medal in the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. So I want an investigation. Okay. What made me think of Evander Holyfield actually is that uh, Oscar De La Hoya is supposed to have the big fight coming up on September 11th. Remember with his big mic drop video with uh, Snoop Dogg that was terrible, but I mean, it was so good. I mean, and uh, so apparently Oscar is uh, sick in the hospital with COVID-19. I guess he's going to, you know, he's feeling better, but uh, he's in the hospital now with COVID. He was fully vaccinated. He tweeted out, wanted you to hear directly from me that despite being fully vaccinated, I have contracted COVID and I'm not going to be able to fight next weekend. Preparing for this comeback has been everything to me over the last months. And I want to thank everyone for their tremendous support. So, what is going to happen with the boxing match that's already been, you know, set and sold? And is it going to be postponed? Are we waiting for Oscar? Well, uh, we'll see because Evander Holyfield, 58 years old now, said, yeah, I'll fight for you. Uh, I'll, I'll fight uh, Vitor Belfort for you, no problem. Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, of course, we have to see if California State Athletic Commission will sanction the match. They claim that if the California Commission doesn't sanction it, they'll just move the fight to Florida. Oh, okay. Well, what if I bought tickets to the show? Tough. Just uh, you'll be able to watch it online then, okay? <laughs> oh, okay. So there you have it. If you have tickets for the September 11th uh, De La Hoya Belfort fight, uh, good luck. God bless. Uh, maybe the show will happen. Maybe it won't. And you're not going to see De La Hoya for sure. Uh, that's for sure. But you will may you will possibly see Evander Holyfield fight Victor Bell. It'd be worth the watch, I guess. You know, Evander's, you know, the champ, former champ. It'd be fun. Maybe. Yeah, it'd be fine. It'd be fine. So we'll wait and get the final news on that. And, uh... I don't know if this is good news or sad news, but a Russian hockey team has dropped the cheerleaders. Now you say to yourself, wait, a hockey team has cheerleaders? Yes. Uh, The Russian Ice Hockey Club, AK AK, AK Bars, that's their name. Yeah, okay. They didn't bar cheerleaders. Their name is AK Bars. They did bar cheerleaders. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Bars Angels are uh, are out. Have a nice day. Uh, it's going to be a more family-friendly atmosphere at the games. Apparently, the wives got a little pissed. And uh, they didn't like the way that the cheerleaders were interacting with the players. And they didn't like the way the players were interacting with the cheerleaders. So the wives said, uh, this cannot happen. All right, we are, uh, we're out. And we have a nice day. 
We don't want you cheerleaders around. Now, they're pissed. And they want the petition signed to have the team let the cheerleaders back. And they want to, you know, have the wives say it's okay. But for now, uh, the AK bars, bar angels are out. Uh, It's going to be more family friendly at the hockey games going on in Russia now. And we don't want any of you nasty little cheerleaders coming around bothering my husband. (laughs) So I thought maybe they don't have the rules in Russia like they have here. I mean, here in America, right, uh, these cheerleaders are not supposed to have anything to do with the players. So, and of course, of course, those rules are followed all the time. And I will say it was good to have college football back this weekend. Wow, it felt so nice to watch that late game on Friday night and then have the Saturday all-day college football games. It's just nice knowing it's there. I didn't watch them. I didn't watch all the games, but it's nice knowing they're there. And there's, you know, several games you want to watch or watch some of those games. So you get to catch those, but it's just nice knowing they're there. And I loved the story that showed multiple college football games where a chant started in the stadium, F Joe Biden. (laughs) So a lot of, a lot of Biden fans at uh, college football this weekend. They uh, they showed up and they started their chants, F Joe Biden, F Joe Biden. Now, I could play the chants for you, but, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll play them tomorrow. We'll go through the audio and we'll, uh, we'll play the F Joe Biden chants from around the country. But I'm a fan. I'm a fan of college football fans cheering and chanting what the hell they want, okay? And if it happens to be F Joe Biden at Texas A&M or F Joe Biden at Auburn uh, or F Joe Biden at the Virginia Tech game or F Joe Biden at the Coastal Carolina football game, well then, so be it. F Joe Biden. And I will say it was uh, pretty impressive, the amount of fans in the stadium. That was nice to see and feel. Um, uh, Many people told the COVID fear mongers to F you. They didn't specifically chant F you, but they could have. And maybe a few of those stadiums that chanted F Biden really were saying that. (laughs) (laughs) could have been about a number of other things that are on the list of that whole F Joe Biden list. But, uh, most definitely the, uh, I mean, it was uh, super spreader events all weekend going on and it felt, it just felt good. Didn't that felt like build back better, right? Build back better or F Joe Biden, whichever one works. So it looks like we could have a new city in America that is just beautiful. 
the cleanliness of Tokyo, the diversity of New York, and the social services of Stockholm. <laughs> okay. Uh, billionaire Mark Lore has outlined his vision for a 5 million person new city in America. Now, he's appointed a world-famous architect to design it, so you know it's got to be good. And he only needs $400 billion to build it. Oh, oh, okay, well, I'm in. I will say $400 million, or billion, sorry, $400 million, no way, but $400 billion even sounds low to build a city. But he unveiled the plan, and it's, the city's name is Tolosa. Wow. A, uh, wow. A huge. A sustainable metropolis that he hopes to create from scratch in the American desert. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but no matter how beautiful a place is, you need water. Anyway, um, <laughs> 150,000 acres. And uh, eco-friendly, of course, eco-friendly architecture, sustainable energy production, and purportedly drought-resistant water system. Well, okay. I guess he's got the problem solved. He's got the 15-minute city design, which will allow residents to access their workplaces, schools, and amenities within a quarter-hour commute from their home. So that's special. That means they're going to have, it'll be underground rails and above the ground flights. It'll be great. Now the planners are still scouting locations. So the possible target could include Nevada, Utah, Idaho, Arizona, Texas, and, you know, possibly the Appalachian region. (laughs) I mean, well, they just say we're scouting the country. No, well, we got broken down in areas. Okay. Well, we, we don't have anything in the North West or the North. So pretty much everywhere else. (laughs) And you know what? If somebody wants to throw in 150,000 acres in Wyoming uh, or Montana, I'm in there too. Okay. No problem. It was accompanied by uh, the announcement was accompanied by a series of digital renderings. um, And uh, according with the architectural firm's help of his utopian dream of life. And uh, it's, Got residents uh, enjoying abundant open space with fossil fuel powered vehicles banned in the city. Autonomous vehicles are pictured traveling down sunlit streets alongside scooters and pedestrians. Another image depicts a proposed skyscraper. Oh, so beautiful. It's the beacon of the city. The building features elevated water storage, uh, aeroponic farms, and an energy producing photovoltaic roof. Now, I know it sounded confusing because it almost sounded like I didn't know what a photovoltaic was. It's a production of electric current at the junction of two substances exposed to light. Duh. It's the two main components. Cells are the main components that make up a solar panel. So, I mean, I I thought maybe I needed to explain that to you so you knew that the roof will allow it to share and distribute all it produces. Will it? Of course it will, Jeff. Now, the first phase of the construction is going to accommodate 50,000 residents across 1,500 acres, and that comes at a cost of $25 billion. The whole project, again, was expected to 
uh, be around $400 billion. And they're talking about target population of 5 million within 40 years. Okay. All right. I thought, weren't they building something like this in California as well? Uh, with underground the tunnels and the help. That was for homeless people. Never mind. This is not going to be for homeless people. So funding is going to come from various sources. Yeah, I bet it will. Project organizers said we're going to have some private investors, philanthropists, federal and state grants. Oh, that's special. And economic development subsidies. That's more federal grants and money from the feds. So you're going to get money from grants from the states. That's actually what they're looking for. They don't care where they build it. They just want a state to say, hey, come build it here and we'll give you all this free stuff. And then they're going to get a bunch more free stuff from the federal government. Oh, you know, whatever. Okay. Whatever. Like it's your tax dollars. Oh, wait, it's mine too. I should be worried. Uh, planners hope to approach state officials. <laughs> I bet they do. I bet they do very soon. <laughs> they want to welcome the first residents by 2030. Wow. That's a good luck. Good luck. It's a new urban design. It promises transparent governance and what it calls a new model for society. Oh, good. It's a new model for society. You know what that is? That is a beautiful utopian society. Oh my gosh, it's going to be the most open, the most fair, the most inclusive city in the world. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait. Now you, you know, Laura founded Jet.com before, sold it to Walmart, and joining the retail giant as head of U.S. e-commerce. He left the company earlier this year saying uh, he planned to work on a reality TV show advising startups and... That's right. And he mentioned in that, in his, uh, in his post leave memo to Walmart that he was uh, building a city of the future. That's right. <laughs> so Telosa's official website, Laura explains that he was inspired by American economist and social theorist, Henry George, the investor cites capitalism's significant flaws attributing many of them to the land ownership model that America was built on. Yeah, that capitalism model that made you a billionaire. I hate that model. Don't you? These people, man, make me ill. The mission of Telosa is to create a more equitable and sustainable future. That's our North Star. Oh, yes. It's not the first new city being planned by the uh, architectural firm, which, uh, wow, and which famously installed a ski slope on top of a Copenhagen power plant and has co-designed Google's new headquarters in London and California. And Japanese car maker Toyota revealed that it had commissioned uh, this group to create a master plan for a new 2,000-person city in the foothills of Mount Fuji. Although significantly smaller than Telosa, the project dubbed Woven City promises autonomous vehicle testing, smart technology, and robot-assisted living. Yeah, there was no talk of robot-assisted living in uh, the new city from Lore. you got to bump it up a little bit. If you're looking to, well, that couldn't bump. I mean, now you're talking about, you know, a trillion dollars instead of 400 billion. But uh, things to look forward to, and maybe you too, maybe you'll look for some you know, some additional investments from people and maybe you can buy a place uh, and move in and live in the utopian society that will be Tolosa.
I should have, uh, when we were talking about McDonald's earlier on in the show, uh, today's show, weatherman Willard Scott died this past weekend at 87 years of age. Willard Scott, uh, you know, known best for his today show weatherman years, but he also played Ronald McDonald. In fact, he claimed that he helped create Ronald McDonald because he was a bozo the clown for years. And then when he, at one point he became, um, Ronald McDonald helped the company develop and played Ronald for, uh, for a few years prior to starting his weatherman career in Washington back in 1970. And then I guess in 1980-ish is when he got the gig at ABC for today's show, Weatherman. And he did that until 2015. And Al Roker, you know, blames blames his career. We should blame, we blame, <laughs> we blame Willard Scott on Al Roker's career. I'll tell you that. Anyway, it was uh, sad to see uh, Al Roker. Heck of a career for him. He passed away this weekend. Another guy that passed away this weekend, actor Michael K. Williams, you remember him from The Wire and uh, Empire Boardwalk. Uh, played awesome characters. I love his characters. Now, I saw where everybody was saying that he was their favorite character on The Wire and stuff. Would he have been your favorite character prior to him dying, though? Eh, I don't know. Questionable. But it was sad. And he was found in his New York uh, penthouse or apartment. He was unresponsive, felt cold. They said, uh, you, uh, somebody needs to uh, call for a little help. But uh, I guess there were some drugs found at the scene, and it could have been, there was no foul play indicated, no forced entry, and the apartment was in order. So we'll see what happens with that. We also, we lost another, another one in New York. The heck is going on in New York? Tiger King star, you remember him, Eric Cowie. The zookeeper, remember Eric? <laughs> of course you do. If you watch Tiger King at the beginning of the pandemic on Netflix, you absolutely remember Cowie. But he, if you saw his picture, you would go, oh yeah, that guy. Uh, he died in New York City uh, this weekend. Uh, they found him uh, face down in a bedroom and they don't even know why he was there. Uh, they just know uh, he was not in Oklahoma. There were no drugs found at the scene. And they have not done a toxicology report, or at least at the time of this report, they have not done a toxicology report. But uh, they're just saying, hey, uh, we found him dead. And we don't know why he was here. And remember, he had the DUI in Oklahoma uh, earlier this year, and then he didn't show up uh, for the hearing. Oh, hey, that could be a problem. Now, he admitted to a drinking problem. He said he wasn't, uh, said the crooked teeth was not because of meth. Uh, he was just old. Um, he was, he just died. He was 53. Uh, if you believe 53 is old, uh, you haven't been 53 before. <laughs> uh, that's all I'm saying. But anyway, there's, they come in threes. I'm sure there was plenty more people died, but those three for sure, uh, passed away. And we found out this weekend about a new, Operation London Bridge. We should play the. I need the. I need uh, Queen Elizabeth music here.
The UK has a secret plan for Queen Elizabeth II's death. Yes, I know. Operation London Bridge. No, don't, don't, don't play the music again. Jeez. So apparently there's a detailed uh, briefing going around that uh, making sure that we know exactly what's going to happen the first 10 days after the death of the 95-year-old monarch who is currently in pretty good health, by the way. So maybe this was uh, leaked by Charles, just uh, hoping that, you know, if we leak the death operation, then maybe she'll kill, keel over and I could be king. So apparently the UK government is readying and they, they should be, we should, this should not be just a surprise. Like, oop, the queen is dead. What do we do? Uh, they're readying for what they're calling a crisis uh, they're warning that London could become overwhelmed or full by too many people flooding the city to mourn the Queen, causing mayhem with public transport, food accessibility, policing, and more. To respond to this possibility, Operation London Bridge calls for a security operation to be put in place to manage the potential overcrowding. It's a good idea, really. Uh, the plan also shows that uh, following uh, the Prime Minister's Official announcement of the Queen's death. A service honoring her will be held at St. Paul's Cathedral. And uh, the Prime Minister and some senior ministers are scheduled to attend. But the memorial should reportedly appear spontaneous. <laughs> We're going to have everything right down to the wire marked on a piece of paper. But go, could you guys make it seem like it's spontaneous? Like we don't really have any idea what we're doing. But we really do. Could you make that happen please? So apparently, uh, you know, Charles is going to go on tour of the UK in the days leading up to the funeral. So the funeral is 10 days after her death. And in that time, Charles is going to go on a tour of the UK, going to see the lowly new servants to the king. <laughs> uh, people are going to be saying, you're not your mom. Zip it. Hand it over to William. But that won't happen and Charles will finally be king and he'll be dancing in the streets across the United Kingdom as he is the new king of England. <laughs> the royal household will issue an official notification and alert the public that there are scripts in place on how officials should alert others on the news. And that will, that will have to happen that way. So be prepared for Operation London Bridge. And I'm sure, uh, oh good, and this is what we have too. The Prime Minister will be the first government official to make a statement. The Ministry of Defense will arrange for gun salutes and a minute of silence for the nation will be announced. The Prime Minister will then meet with the new king at 6 p.m. King Charles will then deliver a broadcast to the nation. Oh man, you know he's practicing this. Wow. No kidding. And we didn't know it. Uh, this just, I thought of this stupid joke uh, over the weekend. And I, <laughs> uh, you know, if she, we didn't realize it at the time, but we know now that Camilla has been taking ivermectin for a long, long time. <laughs> just a stupid little horse joke. So apparently there are other plans to put in place to ensure the Queen's return to London if she dies in other cities. And that would be Operation Unicorn 
who if she passes in Scotland, she'll be transported by train or Operation Overstudy, where her body will travel by plane. On the 10th day, the state funeral for the Queen will be held at Westminster Abbey, and a two-minute silence will take place across the nation at midday. Processions will occur in London and Windsor, and there will be service held at St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle, where the Queen will be buried with the King Memorial Chapel. And King Charles will be the new king of the United Kingdom. And you can bet that Charlie is on his knees praying for Operation London Bridge to happen. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.